Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Vilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast on an extra day at Wimbledon. Middle Sunday is up and running. In fact, it's pretty much nearly over. We've had uh, five or six hours of tennis, richly entertaining tennis. And uh, Catherine Whittaker, Simon Briggs from The Telegraph, and myself, David Laura, here to discuss it all. First things first, Catherine, we've seen another John Isner-style epic. But this time he hasn't won, and this time it lasted at least a reasonable amount of time and not a ridiculous amount of time. What was it, 1917, something like that, in the, the fifth set? But it was eventually Joe Alfred Songer who won through. Still a pretty ridiculous amount of time, David. It's just that the benchmark Isner has set himself is quite so preposterous. I, I feel for both of them. I almost feel for Songer more because he, how can he not be shot now for his fourth-round match against Richard Gasquet tomorrow? I know Gasquet had to resume his match today as well, but in nowhere <laughs> near the same fashion that Songer did. I mean, if he's able to mount any kind of a challenge against Gasquet, I will be mightily impressed but yeah I guess Isner is tasting the other side of the cherry at the moment isn't maybe it? it was just adrenaline but at the end of that match Songa was amped he was doing the full pogo bouncing around the court pointing at his back and engaging with the crowd and Simon this is the sort of day when you can engage with the crowd isn't it it's been fantastic having this sort of first come first serve crowd in and you can see how much they're all enjoying it yeah that was court two yeah, the court two, yeah. So court two had a great day. Court one had a great day. Court, center court perhaps not quite as good as those two. Just as it turned out, the two women's matches went quite quickly. Um, and Burdich now, is he, is he through against Zverev? He's two sets up. Um, actually, yeah, Zverev has just third. won the third. Oh, okay. So that will go on. But you know, I know what you mean. I mean, I was doing court, court one today, and, and I, I, I was on the Svetlana Kuznetsova Sloan Stevens match. That was fabulous. Two and a half hours, um, five two up Stevens in the third, eventually... Kuznetsova came back to win it. Great atmosphere. They applauded each other off the court. Standing ovation from the crowd. And then they had Kyrgios to enjoy against Lopez. Which was um, awesome tennis. And uh, great to see Kyrgios playing at that level. And I'm sure we're about to talk about his press conference, which was certainly the most controlled, the most intelligent, and perhaps even one of the funniest press conferences that he's given absolutely top draw shows how quickly he's maturing and how we need to kind of put this image of him as a, as a hopeless case behind us because he's he's really moving on very interesting isn't it i i've just took uh, 10 minutes to go into that press conference and and 
commentated on on sections of that match that he had against Lopez and he was grouchy last night I think we were all a bit grouchy I certainly was uh, in the in the sort of gloom and darkness and and uh, he just lost a second set tie break he said some things he really shouldn't have said not the first time we've said that but today he, he was like a, a newborn chick he just sort of came out onto the court nice sunny day crowd in his kind of crowd you know what it reminded me of Simon was high sense arena at the Australian Open now that they've turned that into a sort of ticketless arena and you just get anybody off the street in who fancies to come to watch they stick Kyrgios on time after time because he loves it he loves the crowd and and the very first point of the match Kyrgios is loading up into his serve and just as he's about to serve somebody pops a champagne cork that everybody in the stadium can hear and Kyrgios stopped for dramatic effect and just paused and didn't move for about five seconds whilst preparing to serve and everybody laughed and he'd got them in the palm of his hand then and you could see how the whole crowd was just thinking this guy's fun and Kyrgios suddenly didn't have a Dustin Brown to sort of uh, outdo him he could be the centre of attention and he played like a dream Lopez played well Kyrgios was too much for him passing him one after another with, with backhand cross-court passing shots. I think I called them off-the-charts worldies, Simon. And you didn't really understand what I was on about. <laughs> no, I was like, is a worldie like a groundie only better? Uh, anyway, it was, it was great to watch and quite worrying for those who were who hoping for Murray to take advantage of the, uh, the no-lexit or whatever, whatever we're going to call Djokovic's departure from this tournament um, because he could be a serious threat tomorrow, particularly in the mood he was in tonight he just seemed very much at one with the world where we were used to him railing against it aren't we yeah it's interesting because the, the first moment that it, that, that Kyrgios came into the press conference just now as you say that that look of confrontation had gone from him he, he was happy to sit there he took the questions and pretty much straight batted the first half a dozen away and then a couple came that he enjoyed and he started to engage with them and he dropped in a few one-liners and the room started laughing rather than baiting him which is what I think does occasionally happen with Nick Kyrgios and I thought finally we're actually seeing I I don't know the guy that well I I don't know him at all but I get the sense that he's actually he's all right I mean he does some terrible things on the court (laughs) and off the court I'm not going to defend them but there's a side to him that I personally like and uh, and it it was great to see Catherine Whitaker you've seen the matches he's had against Murray can he can he trouble him? I mean, he's never beaten him before in a competitive match. He's going to have to play very differently and come out with a very different demeanour to how he has done in previous matches against Andy Murray, which have frankly uh, been disappointments up to this point. I think they've played four times and, and uh, they've all been slightly damp squibs. Um, and that's usually attributed to, to Kyrgios's respect, admiration um, and your word, David, revermint of Andy Murray. I, wouldn't, I personally wouldn't go so far as to say revermint. We had this debate at the time. I'm not sure Nick Kyrgios reveres anybody and nor should he, but I, he certainly has the utmost respect for Andy Murray and that seems to hamper him because he feeds off this you know, combative railing against something and, and feeling like the underdog, feeling like he's being beaten down and, and uh, he's not going to feel that way against Andy Murray. And, and I certainly am not suspicious sus- uh, suggesting there is any cynicism in Andy Murray's um, defence of Nick Kyrgios. I think it's entirely genuine uh, and very heartfelt and very, very well put, it has been this week. But it might very much play in his favour tomorrow. Might do. 
Oh, Joe Wilfred Songa has just come into the interview room, uh, probably carried in after his uh, epic against Joe uh, John Isner. But uh, great to see Songa playing at this level. But ju- just to finish off the, the curious chat, uh, Simon, it always strikes me when when I see Kyrgios and, Ma- and Murray to some degree, they do remind me a little bit of John McEnroe. And I always remember McEnroe saying years ago, seven or eight years ago, about Bjorn Borg, that he was always behind me. He was always on my side. And I used to think, if Bjorn Borg's behind me, to hell with everyone else. And I get the sense that there's a bit of that with Kyrgios and Murray in that Kyrgios thinks, well, Murray backs me up, you know. Uh, I don't really care what anybody else thinks because I've got respect for Andy Murray. And, uh, but Catherine makes an interesting point, doesn't it? Can, can, doesn't she, can Kyrgios detach the respect that he has for Andy Murray to beat him tomorrow? Hey, we've got to hope that when Kyrgios finally does register a major win against Murray, Murray doesn't walk out of the sport, which is, which is what Borg did, wasn't it, in, in, that, in that instance in, in the US Open. Um, yeah, there was a lot of questions in the press conference trying to raise this question of whether um, Kyrgios is weaker against Murray because he likes him so much. Um, and he sort of tried to... He didn't really... Didn't really go one way or the other, did he? He sort of acknowledged the possibility without necessarily being quite clear. I guess in his own mind, he doesn't necessarily know. I'm trying to think of the three. They played three Grand Slam matches in the last 18 months. Australian Open, which was... They're going to complete the slam, in a sense, because they'll play four times in 18 months, which is very unusual uh, for guys to to, to play so often in the big matches. Now, I remember one of the hardcore matches, Andy kept the ball round about his ankles because he doesn't really like it low down. He's got that amazing loose arm. So if he comes up, if he gets it sort of waist height to, to chest height, he's, he, he just slaps it, particularly on the forehand side. But if you get it around his ankles, he kind of, he can get a bit gangly. And, and, and that, that was one match that Murray won with very low balls. I think it might have been the US Open. And there was a French Open match where Kyrgios had a bit of a brain fade and played a, a ridiculous tweener, didn't he, when he didn't need to and sort of lost it a bit and, and McEnroe was particularly tough on him wasn't he on, on commentary that day so I can remember a couple of those so he hasn't <clears throat> I guess he was tactically outthought in the first example and he rather he rather uh, took himself out with with a, a bizarre attitude in the French Open match so yeah you feel that each chapter of this saga is almost going to be a, a different to the last I thought he handled the low bouncing ball of Lopez today particularly well, mostly because it was coming on his backhand side and he didn't have to use that whippy forehand. He was paddling the backhand to great effect. I think it could be an absolute classic on Monday. One to look forward to. And one of many, Catherine, because fourth round day at Wimbledon is sensational, isn't it? We've got Chilich against Kane Shikuri. We've got Milos Raonic against David Goffin. Two matches of such similarity with with the tall player against the shorter player, but but both of them potentially highly competitive. Um, we have also got Roger Federer who will be in action. Steve Johnson's his opponent. He's in the best grass court form of his life. It's going to be a really interesting uh, Monday. And then you add into that matches like Serena Williams against Svetlana Kuznetsova who is in such great form today there are matches everywhere I mean the problem with it is that there are almost too many great matches at the same time 
Do we not end up having this discussion every time Manic Monday or Magic Monday or whatever? You still haven't changed it, it around. yet. Uh, because that's what they want, isn't it? All You don't know where to look on uh, on this second Monday of Wimbledon because it's the only Grand Slam where they play all the fourth round matches in one day and that's how they want you to feel, that there's just too much great tennis uh, being played and you want extra eyes. Isn't that how you described yourself the other day, David? Well, I bought a couple of Amazons. I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, there's some fantastic I've had a couple of people predicting that Steve Johnson might beat Roger Federer tomorrow. I would be surprised at that. But then Steve Johnson, for me, is a very similar mould of tennis player to Sam Querrey um, in that he's absolutely rinsing every ounce out of his talent that he possibly can. I think he would be the first to admit that he is not the most gifted tennis player. He is grinding away and uh, making the most of, uh, of what he has. He was very, very good in Nottingham last week, but he's just one of those players where the limitations of his game are very clear to see the absolute opposite of Roger Federer. But then again, that was a, a similar similar case to what we had with Sam Curry against Novak Djokovic the other day. So um, I'm not ruling anything out, but uh, I, I would be surprised. You'd be surprised. Now we have got Serena Williams returning to form now, Simon Briggs. We, we saw her today against Annika Beck, who's a very nice player to watch, very accomplished player, but it was like two players in completely different worlds in terms of power. And Serena Williams now, with, with Garbini Muguruza out and Victoria Azarenka not here, I mean, th- there's a real opportunity for her, but fabulous interview today that I heard with Patrick Moritogalu conducted by Sarah Orchard from BBC Radio who, who really got inside the mind of, of Serena Williams for us did Patrick Moritogalu. He lifted the lid for us and, and explained how he doesn't mind seeing us smash a racket at all. He's quite happy to see that. Maybe it's not good for kids to see it, he admitted, but for her, she has to get that anger, that rage out of her system. And he, he really gave an insight into just how stressful this this process of trying to, to create history is for her. And, we, and we've seen it, haven't we, over the last six to eight months? Yeah, there's a bigger question actually related to this about how much passion is appropriate in tennis and whether... The, the sort of 1970s codes which um, forbid ball abuse and racket abuse are actually appropriate in, in an age of, of... What do you think? I think they're a problem for the game, I really do, because um, beautiful and elegant though tennis is, it can be bloodless and, and you're, you know, as a writer you're up against the Premier League soap opera, you know, people being disemboweled in a Michael Gove style way every day <laughs> by their managers and it's, it's, it can be, if, if people do maintain a totally pristine facade, it's kind of alright when, when, it, when it becomes part of their soul and their aura like Federer but I always thought that, that, that people who, who have inner fire, maybe like Novak and doesn't show it that much sometimes it, it almost um, detracts from the overall uh, connection with them because they're trying to, to be something they're not on the court there are also some completely arbitrary elements to the rules, aren't there? Which is that it's okay to, to throw your racket, but not okay if that results in you breaking your racket. Even if even if you're try, if you're trying to break your racket, but you fail to do so, you're not going to get a warning for that. But if you if you were trying to just gently toss your racket and by some twist of fate it happens to to crack, you will get a warning for that. I mean, it does seem a little bit arbitrary, but it's the difference between ball to hand and hand to ball in football. Yeah, I mean, let's not get into it. But I, I can see what you're saying, Simon. I was having a little look earlier today at some pictures of boxing stare downs and just trying to imagine 
What would it be like if we had tennis stare-downs at the net before a match? If a player came along and just decided, you know what, I'm not going to be cosy, I'm not going to put my arm around you for the photo, I'm going to look you in the eye and see if you've got the nerve to look me back in the eye. Well, Anki Othervong, uh, who's up in our live at Wimbledon studio, well, she's been there every day, but the other day we had the Williams sisters playing doubles behind us on court 18, and she was describing an experience where she played against them in women's doubles in the first round here, and she said they went up to the net and both Serena and Venus stared her down simultaneously, and she said it was one of the most terrifying experiences of her life. She said they just wanted to walk off the court game over, hand over the victory there and then because uh, there was just no point in continuing such was their uh, the quaking in their boots at that moment Awesome, more aggro please Catherine let's have a look at the draw uh, for the women's singles and just see if we can get an idea of what else we're going to see tomorrow so we've got Serena against uh, Svetlana Kuznetsa at the top of the draw there it's Pavla Chenkova who's come past Timea Bichinsky today she's now going to face Coco Vanderway who's in rich form just at the moment I, I even saw uh, our colleague Ben Rothenberg tweeting earlier today that he feels that if Vanderway plays Serena, that that is a winnable match. Agnieszka Radvanska against Dominika Sobolkova. Radvanska having got out of jail uh, in the in the earlier round match against Anna Konyu, 9-7 in the third. We've also got to Katarina Makarova and Barbara Stritzova. Has that even finished yet? Yeah, Makarova won that. She is going to face a doubles partner, Elena Vesnina, in the fourth, ra- the fourth round. So uh, plenty of interest there. Vesnina has been in good form this year. Simona Halep against Madison Keys is a good one. Masaki Doi, Angelique Kerber, Venus Williams, Carla Suarez, Navarro, and Yaroslava Shvedova against Lucy Safarova. They're taking advantage of the loss of Garbina Muguruza. There's a, there's a lot of good matches out there. I was thinking if you if you called those um, eight matches and got more than five of them right, you're doing bloody well because there's, there's some pretty uh, knife edge um, results coming out there. I think. I mean, obviously Serena probably you make a strong favourite. But uh, everybody else is going to be uh, going out feeling quite anxious. And, and Sybil Kova, I think, is, is, is the dark horse so far, particularly after how brilliantly she played at Eastbourne. She feels like she's not dropping sets even, let alone matches at the moment. Uh, she and Van der Wey, yeah, probably the two who are, who are looking like they might do something you know, really out of the box here. It's, it's going to be a great day on Monday, I think. I, I think they'll get through all the matches today, looking at the sky. It's still blue, puffy white clouds. No suggestion that we're going to get bad weather the next couple of days. And my word, this is a sight for sore eyes, isn't it? I mean, today, no wonder uh, Nick Kyrgios walked out looking so happy with life. I feel great, I don't know about you. <laughs> it's a very diff- different scene, isn't it, to 48 hours ago when they were just on the brink of announcing the middle Sunday and everybody was braced, braced for the news. And um, I, was, I was feeling like doing a Mackinac on my microphone and just ditching this podcast forever. <laughs> Yeah, no, everybody's suddenly full of the joys and has enjoyed Middle Sunday and it feels now very, very poised and ready for the week ahead. Sure does. Simon Briggs, any shocks tomorrow? Come on. Um, yeah, well, I've always said Federer's going to go out second Monday, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with that one. Against Stevie Johnson? Yeah, massive serving from Johnson and hit his spots. I mean, if he serves right, then, then it's hard to get the ball back. Well, he has been very effective, hasn't he? Uh, winning that title in Nottingham, doing damage at Queen's and now knocking out our boy, Griggle. Dimitrov. Oh well, uh, you know. Another coach falls by the wayside. Franco Devine is a goner. I I notice. Yeah. Oh well. 
you know, it's, it's baby steps, Catherine. Baby fed, baby steps. Uh, so, Simon Briggs from The Telegraph, Catherine Whitaker, alongside me, David Law. We are looking forward to Manic Monday after Seismic Saturday and People's Sunday. We've got to have one for everything, haven't we? Uh, this has been The Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. Thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm-hmm.